Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the Gospel of Mark. Today is episode 962, and we're looking at Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through chapter 9, verse 1. Let's read our passage. Calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? What can anyone give in exchange for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with holy angels. Then he said to them, Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God come in power. This is the Gospel of Mark. Mark began his gospel with the Galilean ministry. Jesus traveling through Galilee, teaching, healing, casting out demons, encountering religious leaders, and showing his departure from their tradition to follow God. Then he left Galilee, went into Gentile areas, up to Tyre, where he encountered the Gentile woman. He cast the demon out of her daughter, and then down to the Decapolis region, where he healed some people there and fed the 4,000. Then he encountered some more Pharisees in Galilee, then left Galilee again, went up to Caesarea Philippi. And that seems to be the region he's in now for the narrative, the region of Caesarea Philippi. And through this, we've seen the growth of the disciples' faith from believing Jesus was somebody to follow, believing Jesus was a man of God, to beginning to understand And several times Jesus would comment on their lack of understanding. Then finally, we saw last time Peter's confession, you are the Christ. So it seems like they finally get it. However, immediately after that, when Jesus predicts his coming death, Peter rebukes him. And Jesus rebukes Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. So they're beginning to get it, but still not fully. So we pick it up in chapter 8, verse 34 calling the crowd along with his disciples. So now he's calling the crowd in addition to his disciples. And he's teaching about the cost of discipleship here. He's already told his 12 that he's going to go to Jerusalem and die and be raised again on the third day. He hasn't told that to the crowd yet, but he is telling the crowd along with the 12 that to follow him is to involve suffering. Jesus is going to suffer, and just as he suffers, his followers will suffer. Not just the twelve, but anyone who follows him. Continuing in verse 34, he said to them, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now by deny himself, he doesn't mean never do anything for yourself doesn't mean have disdain for yourself. He's talking about denying your desires ahead of God's desires. He's talking about priorities here. Put God's priorities ahead of your own. And he says, take up your cross and follow me. That has been so lost in effect over time because crucifixion is not something that's been done in a long time. But the people hearing this understood, take up your cross and follow me means 
walk to your death because the Roman method of execution was that the condemned person was to carry his cross to the point of crucifixion. Then he would be nailed to the cross or tied to the cross and the cross would be hoisted up on the beam and there the person would be hung to die. So take up your cross is a call to martyrdom. It's not to have difficulties. It's a call to physical death. Continue to verse 35. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. Now the word that gets translated as life here, some translations say soul, because the Greek word is psyche, and it can mean breath of life. Often it is translated as soul. But the, the problem is, so often the way we use soul today, people say, I have a soul. The biblical mode of understanding is not that you have a soul, it's you are a soul. So a soul is not some component of you. We have body, soul, and spirit. A soul means you. And so the understanding of a living person is a soul. So to lose your soul is to lose yourself, to lose your life. But that's where there is a struggle there. Do you translate it as soul and have misunderstanding? Or do you leave it as life? And then it's still slightly a bit of misunderstanding. Because we often think lose your life as your physical life, where to lose your soul is to lose your eternal life. So it's hard to say which is the better way to understand it here, but he's talking more than physical death, and he's not talking about a piece of you. He's talking about you completely being lost. And he's showing a difference of priorities here. If you're placing yourself first, you're going to lose yourself. But if you're placing Jesus in the gospel ahead of yourself, then you will be saved. Verse 36, for what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? So we talk about priorities here. If you get everything in this world but lose eternity, that is not a good deal. Verse 37, what can anyone give in exchange for his life? He's talking about the value of yourself, your life, your eternal life. Verse 38, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is all part of this call to discipleship. Discipleship isn't believe in Jesus and be happy. It's a call to follow Jesus. And just as Jesus suffered, his followers likely will suffer. His followers are called to place his desires ahead of their own. He's raising here the cost of discipleship. And if you're afraid to speak up for Jesus, then he says when Jesus returns, he's not going to speak up for you. Now here we actually have a prediction of his return. He just gave the prediction with his 12 about his death, burial, and resurrection. And now here we see a prediction of his second coming, his return. Chapter 9, verse 1. Then he said to them, Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God come in power. First of note, why are we in chapter 9 already? Well, chapter and verse divisions didn't come until much later. And it's based on the people that did it, where they thought the best breaks were. And so a lot of people think, okay, the 
best break in thought is between 8.38 and 9.1. Others say, no, the best break in thought is between 9.1 and 9.2. So we're going with a second there. So what's he mean here? Some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God come in power. Right. Some standing here, does it mean the 12 or does it mean the crowd? Or does it mean all of them together? Now, taste death means die. So he's basically saying there's some people here who aren't going to die before they see the kingdom of God come in power. Now, what does that mean? And the bottom line is there's all kinds of ideas and absolutely no agreement. So it can mean a lot of things. One question is does that means some will die before the kingdom of God comes in power. Now, immediately following this is the transfiguration where we see Jesus and the three disciples go up on the mountain and he is transfigured and they see him in his glory. And some say that's a preview, basically, of his second coming. And that's what this is really referring to. So the transfiguration covers this. Others say, no, he's really talking about the resurrection here. Others say, no, he's talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Some say, well, it's already come in his teaching and healing ministry. Others say, no, it's the world mission of the church. So Mark doesn't define this for us. And so it's hard to say exactly what he means, but what he is talking here is the kingdom of God is coming in its power, and it's something that will be experienced by those that are there. I'm comfortable thinking that he is talking about his death, burial, and resurrection and the coming of the Holy Spirit, but that's just a guess can't say that for sure. So he's dealing here with the crowd in addition to the disciples. He's talking about the cost of discipleship, that it's not an easy thing. It's a tough road. Now, did he say all these things at one time, or did Mark just put them all together? These are a variety of sayings of Jesus where he talked about discipleship. I suspect it's probably both, that Jesus said all these things many times, in many locations. And there may actually have been a location there in the region of Caesarea Philippi where he did say them all at once. But I suspect that they heard him say these many times in many places. But it's, it's a call to a rough road to follow Jesus, to endure suffering, even to the point of death, but in return for eternity. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through the Gospel of Mark.